0: Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And hi there, Clark. We have a special guest today, uh, Clark Ching from the who's known as the Bottleneck Guy. We're going to talk to him about all kinds of things to do with uh, bottlenecks and drums and buffers and ropes and theory of constraints and all kinds of good stuff. Before that, we did want to let listeners know that just yesterday we were in the Frontiers section of MIT Sloan Management Review with an article on Siloed IT, which is really actually about um, walled gardens. And one of our favorite theories, we've talked about that here before and some of the difficulties that come up for your Agile team when they wall themselves off. So if you're interested in that, check the show notes or just search for uh, walled garden and us and Sloan. And uh, we're very excited and proud to uh, have uh, made our way into that prestigious journal. Right. So we have Clark with us. Uh, Clark is all the way from New Zealand, where I hear it's cold. Uh, He's shivering in his house because it's winter there, which is very strange for us. And uh, Clark is an uh, internationally known expert on uh, bottlenecks, constraints, all of that kind of thing. So Clark, do you want to give us a a more proper introduction? Tell us about yourself
1: and uh, uh, what you're interested in. Yeah, so hi, hello, lovely. Hey, first off, uh, congratulations on your article. That's, that's uh, rather prestigious. A uh, good service to the world too, L- lovely. Um, so yeah, my, my name's Clark Ching. I am in New Zealand. We're in the future at the moment. It is winter uh, and we're a day ahead of you a- a- and it's cold and I'm just out of my bed. Uh, so if I start shivering, <laughs> uh, you you that, that'll be the funny sound. So the thing I'm best known for is I've been doing... Uh, the Theory of Constraints since the 90s, um, and I stumbled into Agile in about 2002, 2003. So I um, have come at Agile from an unusual background and that I already knew a lot about lean. I already knew a lot about the quality movement. I already knew a lot about... Uh, you know a lot of logistical clever stuff that is is kind of now sort of snuck into agile over time and i came to agile as a programmer uh who became a project manager uh, who became a business analyst? Who became a consultant? <laughs> and so I've got this whole big um, mix of stuff going in there. But but the thing I'm known for is the theory constraints and my last little book. And I think you have a wee note in your um, your show notes. If anyone wants a free copy of it, it's called the Bottleneck Rules. Uh, and the link to it is share s h a r e dot t o c dot g u i d e. Guide, and it's been in the Spectator magazine. It's been in the Guardian, and just just before a couple of days, uh, it was the second best-selling leadership book on Amazon.com. And if Stephen Covey wasn't already dead, I probably would have had to go out and. Um, <laughs> And well, we'll leave that see, see if you can
2: m- move yourself up in the ranks.
0: No, no threats on the, on the, cha- on the, on the podcast. Cool. But uh, then... what, what is a bottleneck? So, so the book's about bottleneck rules. That's what you've uh, been doing for, for sounds like 30 years. Can you tell our listeners, wh- what, do, what do you mean by a bottleneck and, and why should they matter to an agile team?
1: Okay. So every team, every workplace, no matter what you do, where you are has a bottleneck. Uh, the bottleneck is the it's the, the 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 narrowest point in the the flow if, if you actually literally grab a bottle uh and look at it and whatever's got inside turn it upside down uh the neck the bottle's neck uh limits how fast the stuff will flow out so like if you've got a little uh bottle of tabasco sauce Uh, and you shake that out the neck is deliberately very narrow uh, and it controls the flow Um, if you have a bottle of wine much bigger wide wider neck you pour that out and the wine will come out uh, faster they're really handy though because bottlenecks control the flow and they're a good thing if you know you have one uh, and that you're managing it but if you don't know you you have one um, then it's actually managing you because you do have one you you do have a bottleneck and 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 but if you're not managing it uh then what it's doing is it's sitting there uh very sneakily causing lots of rework, causing lots of stress, slowing everything down, and um really limiting your productivity but because you don't know it's there and you don't know that that's what the cause is, you blame each other and you blame other things. Yeah. <laughs> So,
0: so what, what, what would cause rework? So, so how would that work in an agile team? I'm, I'm working away with my, the rest of my team. Why would I be getting rework as a result of having, uh, as you say, the the necessary thing
1: a bottleneck? Somebody's a little slower than everybody else. Right. So, a lot of rework comes from cutting corners. Okay. So you're you're in a rush. Uh, you don't do something right. So it could be perhaps is an analyst. Uh, an analyst is working on stuff, um, but the analyst is a bottleneck they're the slowest and so the rest of the team is saying hey speed up speed up speed up uh Uh, come on feed us feed us fuel you know you have got hungry developers there uh feed us fuel so the the analyst goes oh great okay um oh i need to go faster uh what will i do oh i'll cut a corner um and, and and they'll hand something over and it might not look like it's wrong uh but with a little bit more thought you know which is the the, the our main tool thought thinking uh, with a little bit more thought they could save a lot of rework because it goes through the developers uh gets tested the tester looks at it, well oh, maybe oh that's not right uh comes back and they have a bit more chat they have that thought after it's been built and they realize it could have been um a, a change could have been prevented um, so so it's really common. It could be it, that that's, you get um, variations on it, so um, with the bottleneck is. Let's say testers uh, or testing is your uh, bottleneck resource, uh, and again, you're under pressure, you're under pressure, you're under pressure. So there's two sources there. One is that the testers go, okay, uh, I've tested it, and maybe they're down to zero as they could, uh, and then a defect gets found later. Uh, when it's a lot more expensive and hard to fix, or maybe when the testers are the the the, the bottleneck, the developers going, "Oh, I need test feedback uh, given to the testers," uh, but they can't keep up; they're, they're not fast enough. So I'll start something else. So they start something before it's ready, and then they increase whip, uh, and that leads to a whole lot of a chain of cause and effect that then increases. Um, not not only whip but the it slows everything down and it actually it, it, in turn it, it hides the bottleneck so there's a whole lot of very complicated um stuff that happens because it's hidden and it's happening inside people's heads and uh, you know with their fingertips uh, so, so we can't see it got it and you used a, you used a term there that our listeners might not know which is whip and that stands for oh. work in progress it does indeed or in the yes. old days it used to be working process or work in progress and and, okay. and uh, i never know which one you're the expert i'll trust i you. never know no i don't know <laughs> i don't know okay I, I, well I then really i won't feel bad if i, I don't remember. get it right
0: but it's it's stuff that you're working on that maybe is the backlog for that analyst or the the list of features that the testers are trying to test and that gets longer and longer because they're a bottleneck and and, and the other thing that it seems like is um if i understood you correctly when the the rework starts happening the rework makes the bottleneck worse because the testers suddenly have more to do they have to test the old thing that was broken that they released and then they have to test the new stuff to try to catch up so they're going to take even more shortcuts this this is this feels like a vicious circle to me
1: absolutely the secondary and tertiary effects that that that, um happen uh because of this and they come back to bite us but because it's time delayed uh we don't realize that because it's just um, so often simply that one of the resource types in our software development process is slower than the others. It has less capacity relative to the others, but everyone else keeps busy. Um, and if you look at a team and everyone's busy, it means that they're actually not productive. That, that, that's not some opinion, that's a fact. Uh, if everyone is busy, then that means by definition, uh, the team is not as productive as it should because all they're doing is starting stuff, but they're not able to finish it any faster because the bottleneck limits the um, limits the capacity, l- limits the throughput. A- and when you can just suddenly go, wow, oh, wow, bottleneck, oh, and you start to see things entirely differently. Do, do, do you remember that movie um, with Bruce Willis in it uh, and the little boy that could see ghosts? Um, the, the Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. He had a sixth sense, which I find hard to say this early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> he had a sixth sense where he could see ghosts. Uh, and you watch that movie and then you get to the end of it. And and sorry, spoiler alert, even though this is probably 20 years ago now. It's old enough. Um, I think we're, it, safe. We're, we're safe. We're safe. You get to the end um, of the movie and you go, oh, wow, he can see ghosts. And then you go back and you play that movie back and you watch it again later. But you know about ghosts and it's an entirely different movie. You go have a look at a development team um, before they know about bottlenecks uh, and then look at them after. Once they do, they see how things work together so much um, more, more differently just through that one little bit of knowledge.
0: Is it, is it just a matter of telling them? Uh, once you know about it, you're, you're magically able to avoid bottlenecks or are there skills and tools and things that you need to know about?
1: Okay, so it's actually really hard. Um, it's actually, no, no, that's, that's not true. It, it's hard in that um, we have to fight this thing to keep people busy. We, we are all wired to be busy. And if we're not busy, we actually find it difficult. Uh, There's it, it a medical, um, my, my wife's a psychiatrist and she works with old people. And she says that sometimes when they um, you know, have dementia, uh, Some some people just carry this uh, need to be busy with them and, and they might lose so many other faculties, uh, but they have to keep busy and they call it utilisation syndrome, um, mm. got, got to keep busy. So if it's built into us and, and I know I even though logically I know that not everyone has to be busy. I, I find that very difficult and I, I think everyone else does. So that's kind of like the bad guy. That 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 that's the enemy um that we have to fight um our true natures. Um and so you'll see a lot of um actually I'll, t- I'll tell you a story. I, I had a hundred about uh, about a hundred and twenty people working. On a project I came in I found their bottleneck I uh, it was testing I'm um, over time uh, I moved it to development or the team moved it to development and that took a few months and we got it and, and development's the right place for a bottleneck um, if you've got it there you want to keep it there and then they realized and I think this might um, play into your wall garden analogy if I um, have read it eventually they got the the team set up right um, uh, analysts weren't the bottleneck they could feed the developers good quality stuff testers could test really quickly perfect that's exactly what you want and then they got a new customer come in and the customer um the, the internal sponsor the 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 uber product owner um he was new to this organization and he hadn't seen what they did uh he also had two jobs so he was actually the bottleneck for this 120 development team project and he was torn between doing his day job which has urgent Uh, needs um, and urgent uh, effects Um, if he doesn't uh, get his day job people performing you know another 200 people in the call center so he didn't do a very good job he was the bottleneck in terms of the flow of um, work into the the development team and So the development team knew that this was happening. Uh, The manager went and talked to him. The new guy didn't like being talked to um, and asked to do this. He was in a bind. He didn't know how to operate with the team. So he pushed back. Um, In fact, he did two things. Um, One is he just started feeding them low value stuff that would keep them busy, but didn't require much input from him and his team, which is really common. So you look at the development team, hey, look, they're really busy, great. excellent but they're working on low value stuff um which, which is just so sad because it looks like it's really productive and that's, that's why um people say agile slow you know they're, they're really busy but they're slow working on low value stuff um that low value stuff that takes a long time uh and the second thing was that he pushed back he pushed back uh they got in the fight he demanded with the program manager um to uh implement uh, Utilisation measurements across the IT team because they were so slow. So, and the of course, program if, they, if managed... they were busier, that would be better. Got to have them busy. Yep. So we got everyone. But in um, fact, as we've, we've to... just
0: been discussing, busy is bad. We don't want busy. So we're measuring for something we don't want. Okay. I can, I've 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 heard this story before, but I'm not sure where it's going to end. How's it How's it end?
1: So 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 what happens is that all our good work, um, kind of just uh, just slowly crumbled away. The uh, customer came convinced because the, the evidence showed him that, um, although these, everyone there was say 80% busy, they were just still really, really, really sluggish. The relationship between IT and uh, their uh, customer, it, it, it got worse and worse and worse. The team um, got busier and busier and busier and slower and slower and slower uh they couldn't focus on um running it uh, correctly because they were just also busy trying to fill in their spreadsheet to prove that how, how well utilized and um productive they were and, and it's actually a huge disappointment for me because it was my um you know one of my great success stories uh we, we, when that hits um a, a book at some stage depending on whether it's fiction or non-fiction um <laughs> in the non-fiction version uh they, they couldn't fix it 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 just became too unpleasant, too hard to fix. The project eventually sort of wound down, and and, and that was it. Uh, In the fiction version, uh, the the, the program manager um, will be a slightly stronger, character than he was in real life uh and he will sit down and say uh no actually you guys we're going to work together uh your job is to make sure we do this let's make that easy for you um we're not measuring uh utilization but but if you look at it that's part of my learning um i didn't give them enough understanding so that the um so that the the managers could actually have that conversation i've grown up a lot since then unfortunately you you, you learn this stuff (laughs) Um, by doing it badly when you're younger.
2: <laughs> Sounds like the, the uh, your your character in the book may have gotten a good copy of uh, Agile Conversations to help him with that difficult conversation, well, to help build, build a relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the skill set that is most missing in IT, uh, actually, you, you take the knowledge of, from Theory of Constraints. I think that adds a huge amount. But then the skill set that's missing is the ability for managers, in particular, um, and leaders, if, if you prefer uh, that angle, to have hard, difficult, grown-up conversations with their customers and with their IT teams about about what's right. So I, that's, that's what I, I love the, um, the, the you know the, the gist of your book is I think targeting the the one weakness, and and, and I've always used this analogy of um, you know, the Rambo movie, uh, remember John Rambo comes back from war, uh, and he, um, excelled as a soldier. He comes back, he can't cope in civilian life. Often a a lot of, um, managers in it, um, and and in the business they've been at war, (laughs) they've spent years at war with each other. So they've gotten really, really good at that. And so learning how to have, um, peacetime conversations or, um, uh, peace talks, if you like, to to get um you know to to rebuild trust is is it's not in their skill set. So I think it's wonderful you've written your book. Um, I I hope everyone reads it because <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge gap and it's skills that you can learn over time. But but usually we often we can't learn it from the the people we work with because they 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 either don't have those skills or, or they don't know how to teach them. So so good work on that.
0: Well,
2: thank you. And it, certainly we, we uh, like this combination of you need the the knowledge of how to have the conversations. You also need the knowledge of what to do. And as you say, the, coming back to the bottlenecks for a minute, even if you have the conversations, you need to have the uh, the skills. You, you were in a situation where the skill that you that team had was knowledge of theory of constraints, knowledge of bottlenecks. Um, uh, people who've listened to us may have knowledge of conversations, but maybe not model of uh, knowledge of of bottlenecks and theory of constraints if they um when you int- first introduce these concepts to a team what's the where where do people start
1: so, so you have one bottleneck um the, so the first step is to find it uh now the the way i find it um in fact, if, if we have to can I tell you how i the, the exact words i use to absolutely um, please to do find it okay so I, I tell them a joke uh, and I have found that this joke um it it's quite funny. But what it does is it explains the ideas of limiting web and of finding your bottleneck and and, and how um, a team or or an entire workplace runs at the speed of of the bottleneck um, via a joke. So you remember the Cheers TV program. um, Norm. uh, Norm, Norm, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's funny, I I teach this stuff at uh, business school um, over here. And I, I, I say that, and they all look at me. And go what? <laughs>
0: the younger ones don't. Don't younger know. people shocking? And by the way, anyone so, who's having trouble with the accent, it's uh, it's cheers. So cheers. E R S. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I said it properly. I assure you, you yeah, did absolutely. But it, uh, sounds like cheers to Americans. Anyway, carry on. Indeed. Um, so uh, this never actually happened in that TV program, uh, but it, in the early 2000s, it was a uh, a joke that went around via email, which which is also an unusual um, uh, thing for a lot of people these days. But it went around by email and, and it sums up TOC, uh, bottleneck management, beautifully. So Cliff Claven, who's the unusual postman, walks into the bar uh, and he says, Norm, 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 did you know that when buffalo, meaning bison, uh, when buffalo roam across the plains, they, they run, uh, the entire herd will run at the speed of the slowest buffalo, obviously, right? Because otherwise they're spread apart and then they'd be very easily attacked if they're individuals and they, so they roam together and they run at the speed of the slowest one and that speed, the, the slowest one stays at the back and the rest of the herd runs in front um, but it, it's at the same speed of the slowest one at the back. You're, oh, okay, right. And he said, and did you know that when they run like that, Uh, not only do they keep together, but they have an improvement mechanism built in, uh, which is that wolves find it easiest to attack the herd from the back. It's the safest place to attack. So what they do is they attack and they um, take out the slowest buffalo, the guy at the back, which is very sad for grandma, but it makes the whole herd stronger. So the, the whole herd... Uh, can run off because now the slowest buffalo is faster than the previous one. So um, it's an interesting, well known scientific fact that w- when we drink alcohol, um, it kills brain cells. And, and naturally, because this is how nature works, like with the buffalo, um, it kills the slowest brain cells, and, and, and they're the ones at the back. And this norm is why you um, but why drinking beer always makes you more intelligent. Because it kills the <laughs> slowest brain cells, so there you go. So I I tell that that that, that joke, and you know, yeah, it, it's, it's it's moderately funny, but it's um, there's a lovely effect with telling a joke versus telling an effect, uh, t- telling a fact. Um, tell it to a group, and they all go ha ha ha, and then they point to the big drinker uh, or drinkers, and in, in, in the group, and they will have a little bit of a laugh, uh, and then. They they look back at me going why why has he told this uh, story, uh, what what what's going on? And I say well, do you guys have a slowest buffalo? And they always go oh, and Then they always look at the testers because it's almost always the testers, and they look and they go oh oh it's you guys. Okay, so w- what would you do? Now, now there's two. I hope answers. you don't tell them to kill the testers.
0: Yeah, feed them That's to the wolves.
1: kill the slowest. Someone tester, always right? says that. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> someone okay. someone always says that yeah and, and then they do but then they have a second laugh and there's something about laughing like that especially the one-two laugh that that um gets people that, that it's almost like they are in the pub and they're sitting around and they're having a little bit of fun and the whole mood changes and they go into this very creative kind of collaborative problem solving thing and, and at that stage my work is usually done now i've got to tell you this I've, I've been telling that story for um probably 20 years, um, 18 of them to, to agile people. Uh, and only once have I been told this answer when I asked them, well, well how do you speed them up? Normally someone says, well, shoot the, shoot the testers. Someone says, Oh, give them alcohol.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Our listeners should uh, consider drinking as a solution to their agile problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. You heard it here. This is the Clark's official advice. No, I, I'm sure that your official advice is read your book and uh, understand the bottleneck. And by just understanding things like the slowest buffer rule, you're going to get to the stage where you can uh, actually eliminate your your bottleneck or, or um, manage it more, more successfully.
1: And that's going to help you. And that's it. "Can I tell you really quickly?" Um, yeah. So there's a strategic version of this, um, and 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 this this is what I teach, and it's not obvious. You can't find it in any other book. But I'll tell you what the what what the strategy is. Um, uh, the tactics take a, a lot longer to to get there, but the strategy is you always want your bottleneck to be development, mm. and when it becomes development, um, that means that everyone upstream has time to do their job properly, provide high-quality, high-value fuel into the developers. Uh, And it means that the developers get fast feedback from the testers because they have the capacity to do their job well and give fast feedback. Um, Any other arrangement results in the developers having spare time and making themselves busy. Um, and, and that's really really bad uh, so um, quite quite often like if I give a talk about this um, I, I often get notes back from people and they almost always say the same thing hey we were um, going slow we just got money uh, to get some more developers we heard your talk and we realized that testers were a bottleneck so adding more developers would actually make the situation worse um and it's really counterintuitive if you want to get more development done make sure that you have the resource capacity Uh, in other words make sure that everyone that's um before them and after them has enough time to do their job properly uh and and if you do that speed you up instead of making you slower yeah you will not need to spend any money you'll just think yourself uh into that position over time um but don't get more developers No offense to all the developers in the world, but the developers need the right inputs uh, and the right support from testing to to do their job properly. And it's really disrespectful not to, because otherwise it just puts them in um, very busy teams that are just getting slower and slower and slower. And it's so counterintuitive. Um, But don't get more developers to speed up. Um, When you get your developers to be the bottleneck, um, protect that. And in my little story with 120 people, Uh, that devastating, truthful story, Um, I didn't do enough to protect the bottleneck once it got there because I thought once it got there, it would stay there.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, those are uh, fantastic stories. Some good ideas for our listeners to pick up on. We couldn't possibly cover all the ideas. We didn't even get to drums and buffers and ropes, which is one of my favorite topics from Theory of Constraints. But I'm sure all of that's in, in your various books, including The Bottleneck Rules, which listeners can get a, a copy of uh, at the link in the show notes. Uh, Clark, anything else you'd like to say to listeners, any place they can find you? What's your favorite way to hear from, uh, from our listeners if they
1: want to hear more? Come and find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I, I I used to hate LinkedIn, um, but now I actually find that it, it's got a lovely uh, little format where I can share short posts every day, and I get every day notes back saying from people that they kind of like the angle and what I, what I've shared. So if you kind of like the stuff I'm talking about, it's, it's a really um, easy way just to get a little tiny drip of of, of this stuff, and it just just. Join up and say hello. Um, I'd love to say hello to anyone uh, there on LinkedIn. Um, Fantastic. Yeah.
2: Link in the show notes.
1: Indeed. Show notes will have a a link to Clark's
0: LinkedIn and and other places to find him and and a copy of his book and other fantastic stuff. Thanks very much for being with us.
1: That's lovely. Thank you.
0: Sure. If listeners uh, are are interested in getting in touch with us about these topics, uh, you can always find us on conversationaltransformation.com. There's uh, links to the Agile Conversations book, our our Twitter feeds, our videos, the Sloan article, all kinds of fantastic stuff is there, Um, uh, lots of it free. So feel free to visit us, find us, uh, get in touch with us. And of course, we also like it when listeners hit the subscribe button, whatever kind of tool you're using to listen to us. Uh, If you use the subscribe button, you'll get to hear us every Wednesday. We've been coming out for 125 episodes. I'm sure we'll be there for 125 more. So uh, pick us up uh, next week. Super. Thanks, Jeffrey and Clark. Thanks, Carl. Thank you.